Last night, the Carolina Hurricanes were north of the border in Montreal, taking on the Montreal Canadiens, and they were very lucky to come away with two points as they won that game in a shootout with none other than former Montreal Canadian Jesper Kotniemi scoring the game-winning goal. Find out what just went wrong for the team in that game, what they did right to stay in the mix, and hear from Rod Brindamore all in this episode of Locked on Hurricanes. Your Locked On Hurricanes, your daily podcast on the Carolina Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Kaniacs. I'm your host, Jared Ellison. You're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as always, thank you for making Locked On Hurricanes your first listen of this Wednesday evening. I know it's a little bit later than usual, but hey, we're here. And as always, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Hurricanes and myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96 and subscribe to the show on YouTube. Now, folks, let's dive into this game from last night. And this was this was a mixed bag of a game. It really was. And for me, it was it was very frustrating as well, because especially through those first 40 minutes and the first period, especially it was really, really rough. And. You know, looking at that first period, you know, it's something that not only in the first period, but kind of, but mainly the first period, but it was something that throughout the game was just some really bad puck management. It was not good. The turnovers were bad. The turnovers led to, led to, excuse me, both of Montreal's goals in the first period. That first period was the exact opposite of what we saw against Tampa Bay the other night. It, everything they did right in that game against Tampa Bay, they did the exact opposite in this game against Montreal. That first period especially, it was really rough with Chatfield and Natchez uh, turnovers leading to both of those goals, like I said. And skating was bad. They were... They just... They almost just felt outmatched, honestly. There it at the early stages of the game, it felt like going back to that game against Tampa, it felt like the it was flipped. It felt like, you know, we're the ones getting beat up. You know, thankfully, you know, Jacob Slavin was able to get it uh to two one and the Hurricanes didn't go into the intermission uh down two goals that was really really good for them and it was just a very messy period they were having trouble in the neutral zone it was just really really bad period of hockey it was it was very frustrating it it really really was again especially coming off of a game like they had against tampa and that for me that was almost the most frustrating part is because it was you're coming off of this perfect performance and then you go into this game, you're doing the exact opposite of it. And they were just giving up way too many opportunities. And like I said, puck management was bad. Their skating wasn't great. 
turnovers. It was messy. It was really, really bad period of hockey. And, you know, then to cap off that really rough first period is Auntie Ranta getting ran into and he didn't come back. And, you know, we'll hear from Rod here in a bit about, you know, Auntie Ranta and Jalen Chatfield, uh, who also left the game uh, with injury. But thankfully, you know, both of those, they're just precautionary and doesn't look like it's too bad. But, you know, I, I'm just, you know, looking at this game and wondering what the heck went wrong for them. And I don't know if they were riding the high of that game against Tampa Bay. They're like, oh, yeah, heck yeah, we had such a good game there. And, you know, we're, they're riding high. And not only that game against Tampa, the game against Arizona before that. It are were they riding that high and they just weren't focusing on Montreal as much as they should? Uh, something Trip Tracy did bring up is that Montreal playing better than their record uh, says, and yeah, you know, this is a prime example of that. That the numbers don't tell the whole story, and also I've said it many times. I said it back when. Uh, Arizona shut out the Hurricanes at home for nothing earlier in the season. These are NHL players. They are extremely talented hockey players, and anything can happen on any given night. And this was a prime example of that. You know, and thankfully, you know, heading into the second period, things got better. Uh, Freddie Anderson again obviously started uh, this period in relief of Auntie Ranta. Uh, and, you know, just quick rundown of this period you know brady shea ended up tying it up for the hurricanes creating a whole new hockey game and it felt like it gave the hurricanes a little bit of momentum in the moment but the habs came back quick tied it up and you know with that goal it really just felt with that one that it was it was one that freddie really shouldn't have given up i i feel like he could have been a bit more aggressive on that save and you know i'll kind of i mean give my put you know those goals on everyone but you look at auntie ranta's uh both of the goals that he allowed those weren't on him this one did feel like it was a bit on freddie he could have played a bit more aggressive there but it especially in the it felt you know as the hurricanes as the Time went on, they were getting their feet under them, and it was better than the first period for sure. And it was in the power play, it was better than it was, but it still wasn't great. And power play as a whole, we knew it wasn't going to keep operating at that level it was uh, in that Arizona and Tampa games. We knew that. I think pretty much any Hurricanes fan could expect that from you. I said that when we previewed this game, you know, that I wasn't expecting them to go three for four or four for five on power plays like they had in those previous games, but I was expecting it to look like a threat, and I was expecting a power play goal. They were really performing at a really high level, and that that wasn't the case in this game. Uh, again, I think that, they were riding that high of those really dominant wins, and they just 
I guess didn't take this as seriously as they should have, but you know, you dive into the third period and uh bonus hockey, you know, third period Chatfield didn't come back out uh due to upper body and the fourth line, uh, it was a really fourth line was probably the best line for the Hurricanes of that game. They were really pulling a big load uh, for this entire game. And, you know, the Hurricanes did tie it up uh, with Derek Stepan, you know, doing a heck of a lot of work of pushing and pushing and pushing. Paul Stassi finished it, but goaltender interference strikes again it montreal challenges and gets overturned and with that one it's i personally didn't see anything you know when watching this and a lot of other people felt the same way and there's just no consistency with these goaltender interference calls and that's not just something with the hurricanes that's something league-wide that it it needs to be addressed it really does because, like I said, there is no consistency when it comes to these goaltender interference calls to the point where we don't even know what we're looking for anymore. Yeah, you know, you have you know, the textbook definition, you know, of it, yeah, you know, that's in writing and whatnot, but it never feels like that's what's getting called, you know, and I really. I really hope that something is done sooner rather than later to address the inconsistency of goaltender interference. It feels like, you know, over the past couple years, it has gotten really bad when it comes to that. And I mean, you could say, you know, the age of social media and whatnot makes things you know, bigger than what they actually are. And that, that probably is the case for you know, a lot of stuff, but there's no consistency with these goaltender interference calls. But you know, thankfully, you know, on the back half of this third period, the Hurricanes were able to gain some momentum, which was really, really big. And you know, throughout the, I mean, you can look at you know that ga- goal in the first period as well, but the second and third periods, especially. The Montreal, especially the first and second period, Montreal was the better team for sure. And really, in my opinion, the first half of the third period, they're the better team. They're the better team for the large majority of the game. And the Hurricanes were doing just enough to stay in it. And this team is really resilient. We've seen it time and time and time and time and time again, just how resilient they are. And they don't, you know, just lay down and give up because you easily could have done they easily could have done that easily. I'd just be like, ah, crap, you know, this game got out of hand quick. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, Auntie Ranta, had he not been there in that first period, that first period, the game would have been over after the first period if he wasn't there doing his job and standing on his head. Uh, it, it could have been so much worse than what it was, but thankfully, just enough was done to keep the Hurricanes in it throughout the game. Second and third periods, especially uh, Jesper Foss ended up tying it up with uh, towards the back end of the period. I want to say it was like six minutes left or something like that. It was 
not a lot of time left whenever he tied it up. And that was big. And Brett Pesci, he's big part of that. He set up Shea or excuse me, Faust beautifully with that. And you know, Pesci had a two assist night. He was played a really vital role in the Hurricanes winning that game. And then of course it did go into overtime as well. And definitely towards the end of regulation, Freddie Anderson making some big top stops to force it to go to overtime. And that was really, really big, in my opinion. Uh, it felt like, all right, they're rallying. They're, they got some energy. They're like, we can get at least one point out of this. And, you know, thankfully they did. They did. And they were they were lucky to get that one point. They really, really were because they were not the better team. They were lucky to come away with the win. And, and overtime, overtime was definitely a lot better. And, you know, the Hurricanes had decent puck possession. You know, they're, they cleaned it up. And, you know, they were a big thing with that. It, carrying over from the back end of the third uh, as well into overtime is it felt like they were playing with a purpose. They had a fire under them. Which going back to that first period, this exact exact opposite. There, they looked tired. They looked gassed. They looked like they were lucky to have even shown up to the game. And you know, they played with a purpose in this overtime, and they're creating chances. And you know, whereas during regulation, Andrei Sveshkov, he was bit of a liability when it came to penalties. He really made up for it here in overtime. He really stood out and really playing hard and really pushing. And that was really, really big for the Hurricanes. And of course, didn't win it in overtime. So we go to a shootout and this shootout, I was, I was on the edge of my seat with this. It, it was really, really tense because again, we're like, oh my God, we're, we're lucky we've gotten this far because of how poorly they played. And the fact that we actually have a legitimate chance to win this is on the edge of your seat. And as you are in most shootouts, you're going to be on the edge of your seat. But Brent Burns and Tavo Teravainen, uh scoring Tavo's goal was picture perfect of what you need to do in a shootout. Uh, it, like if you're a coach, you're coaching kids, show them. Show them that. That's what you need to do there. And then, of course, you couldn't have scripted it better. Gasperia Kotenyemi, while he's getting showered and showered with booze from Montreal, scores the game-winning goal for the Hurricanes. Again, you couldn't have scripted it better. Every time he touched the puck, he was getting booed. Same with Sebastian Ajo. Those guys were getting booed out of the building and for yes period to be the guy to win it in a shootout. Nonetheless, it was really big. And like I said, the hurricanes did just enough to stay in this game and they're lucky to come away with the win. And my big, big takeaway you know, from this game is you can never underestimate your opponent. And this shows it because yeah, you're coming off of two dominant, dominant, performances going to this one thing is going to be a cakewalk it was not the hurricanes were very very lucky to come away with the two points that they did 
And not only did Luck be on their side there, you know, New Jersey also lost. So they're able to widen their lead when it comes to the Metro division. But we did also get to hear from Rod Brindamore after the game. And yeah, he had a lot to say. And we're going to hear just what Rod had to say right after this quick break, folks. Now, the Hurricanes are playing again on Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers. And if you're wanting to place a bet on that game, make sure you do so at FanDuel. Or if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, a Lakers fan, whatever, the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because no new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And heck, if you bet on Yesperi Kotniemi winning it in a shootout, that could have been some big, big money for you. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss this chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, folks, as I mentioned earlier, Rod Brindamore did mention Antiranta and Jalen Chatfield being taken out of the game merely as precautionary measures. And with Antiranta being lower body, Jalen Chatfield being upper body. But he had a lot more to say after the game. And this is just what Rod had to say after that game against Montreal. Rod, when we talked after the second period, you said you felt like the group was still trying to fully get to its game. How do you guys feel like you did in the third to push it into OT? Right. Well, that's a lot kinder than what I put it to you, but uh, we were struggling clearly for two periods, and um, you know, and then we just put a period together that looked kind of like we we need to play and how we usually play, and at least got us back in the game and able to you know find a way to squeeze it out. We've seen a lot of NHL. Former players going against his former team in their arena. Who's, how does that rank? Well, I, yeah, you're right. I've seen it a lot worse than that. But, uh, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it was kind of fun to be honest with you. It's, you know, it's, we know the history here, and I get it. And, um, but, it, you know, he's a, KK's a good kid. And I, was, I was just happy for him to be able to, to do that because I know he's taking a lot of heat, unnecessary, but that's just how it works. I get it when a guy leaves a team. We, we understand how that goes. Uh, so I'm, I'm just happy for him. Were you guys maybe surprised by the way the battle in the first experience? By the way, who battled? They did? No, I'm not surprised. They, they played us hard the other night, too. I was really surprised how poorly we were playing, to be quite honest. But I wasn't surprised by how they played. I know they're going to play hard. Um, you know, they always do. Would you think that this allowed to I understand why. Um, you know, it looks like we're going right into it. I thought maybe we actually got tripped, if you look. Uh, Stepan's right skate gets actually kind of tripped by the Montreal player. They actually didn't even consider that, so eh, it is what it is. Consistency might be a bit of a strong word here, but is there is it kind of maybe a wake-up call to say, 
you know, what's being checked in the first game? Yeah, well, listen, we haven't had one of those games all year. That was the first game that I've, at least for two periods, where I could say, what are we doing? It's not happened. So um, it's human nature. We're going to have some little ups and downs. We've had a little tough travel schedule, and we just came off a real big victory. And, you know, there's, there's obviously a little bit of human element here. And we, we, got, we got a lot of – we got humans in there too. And they're going to have these days. And, you know, but we were, I give the guys a lot of credit because they, they found a way. Do you have anything on Ranta uh, and uh, Yeah. We're also in a position that if anyone goes, oh, I got a little nicked up, we just take them out of the game. So precautionary, really, on both guys. Um, so I don't think it'll be serious for you. Derek Sepp on line with some great looks tonight. Jesper Foss, obviously, that line with some great looks tonight. Two goals from the back end to get you out of that deficit. I mean, how crucial is all of this depth at this point? Well, you, you've watched this all year. It's not a one-man show. I mean, we... we if, if we rely on one guy to get all our offense, it's not going to happen. So we need everyone to step up when they get their opportunities. And tonight we had different guys do it. That, that you know, maybe be a different couple guys the next game. Uh, but we need all 20 guys on board. Uh, and when we do, it, it looks like it did in the third. All right. Thanks, Rod. Thanks, everyone. So obviously in listening to Rod, wasn't a great game. As he said, this was first game where yeah, he's really wondering, what are they doing? But, yeah, they were able to pull it together there in the third, like I said, and that was really big. And I really feel like, you know, going into the game against Philly, they're going to be looking at the tape from this game of being like, what were you doing right here? And they're really going to use this game as a learning experience going forward. You know, over these next uh, few games, I really feel like this was a learning experience. And, you know, like you said, you know, these are humans. You know, mistakes are going to happen. And we all know, like, hey, you know, no team is going to go 82-0. and 0. Like, we all know that. There's going to be bad games. But the fact that they're able to pull this together, in my opinion, that was that really says a lot about the team of just how how resilient they are. It feels cliche to say it really does because it's been said so much uh, about the team you know, over these past few years of them being so resilient when it comes to this kind of stuff and never giving up. But they really were. It, like I said, this game really could have gotten out of hand early and they could have just you know, rolled over and just be like, all right, Time to move on to Philly. But that wasn't the case. They stayed fighting all game long. They're able to pull it together, got it done. And the fact that they were able to do just enough to even be in the in the mix to even win this game. That was really big. And it says a lot, you know, about the guys that stepped up, you know, in this game. And you know, the fourth line pulling a big load. It's a team game. You know, it's not gonna be the case where, you know your top guys are always doing it every night. You know, sometimes, you know, people have bad days and off nights. You're going to need, you know, like your fourth line to step up. You're going to need a guy like Brett Pesci, a guy who it's not necessarily his thing of, you know, setting up a whole bunch of stuff. He did it. And we know he can do it. It's just not one of those things he's relied on to do. You know, like, Tavo Teravainen scoring a hat trick the other night. You don't expect that from Tavo. He's the guy you expect to be setting up all the shots. 
but the the Hurricanes got it done, and now it's time to move on to Philly. But it is Wednesday, folks, and it is time to debut a new segment called Wolves Wednesday, where we talk about the Chicago Wolves. And for our first topic with that, we're going to talk about Pyotr Kochekov because he's had an interesting past few games, and we will do that right after this quick break, folks. Now, it is really, really nice outside today, and if you're wanting to go out on a walk or you know, go fishing or whatever, Built Bar is the snack for you. You got to be taking it with you. And those of you that have been around for a long time, you know all about Built Bars. But if you're new here, let me tell you about them. Built Bars is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And you may be asking yourself, what do you mean? Why, how are they so good? Well, first off, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And that's a big part of it. And they come in a whole host of flavors like churro, coconut, almond, and my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie. And there are flavors for everyone. You can go to Built.com and look at all of their flavors. And best of all, Built Bars are, again, incredibly healthy, containing only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. So you're wanting to keep working at getting in shape. Built Bars is the snack for you for that. And again, they have so many great flavors. But if you want them right now, you can go to your local Walmart or at Sam's Club. I saw them at Walmart earlier today when I was there. And you can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs there at Walmart. Or if you have a Sam's Club membership, you can run down there and get a 13-bar box of brownie batter and churro those are two of the best flavors you gotta try those guys and again if none of those are ones you want go to their website built.com and find something that is just for you they have so many flavors they have something for everyone so go check out built bar today now folks it's time to dive into the first edition of wolves wednesday and you know, it's time to talk about Pyotr Kochekov because you know, over this past week, you know, he had a very interesting time and, you know, he scored a goalie goal, which was great. You know, something that, you know, that hurt, I believe it. Oh God. I want to say it happened during that Arizona game. I want to say, but it was one of those things like everyone's, you know, going crazy, loving it. Obviously he's celebrating big time with that. And, you know, Manitoba, you know, they came out, they didn't like it. You know, they're trying to fight him. But, you know, then in the next game, I forget who Chicago is playing, but he gets ejected from that game as well after trying to fight. And one thing I've seen folks raise on social media is his hot-headedness going to be a problem. And I reached out to Sarah Avampato. You guys know her from Locked on Kings, Locked on NHL. But, you know, she also covers the Wolves for SB Nation's Canes Country. And I reached out to her this morning, and this is what she had to say when I asked her about this. She said, uh, I think the answer, quote, I think the answer is yes and no. I don't see him as a future Jordan Bennington turning into a giant crybaby, giant angry baby over nothing. But I do think he is easily provoked and other teams will learn to use that to their advantage. 
like he had to know that Manitoba was going to go after him because they were going to be mad about him going nuts celebrating that goal. It would be great to see him learn not to engage. That said, he does know when to time it at least. Both both of the ejections came in the final minute of play when there was no chance that him getting kicked out was going to cost the Wolves the game. I think some of it just comes with being young, knowing that getting feisty like that gets a reaction from the other team and from fans. So I'd like to think he'll grow out of it as he matures or has some other veteran goalie take him under his wing and tell him to knock it off. And this is something I really, really agree with. I don't see this being a long-term issue with Piotr. I, I don't see that being the case. I think, you know, as time goes on and he grows older, I think you know, we're not going to see that as much, uh, at least when it comes to the ejections kind of deal. I do see him being, you know, a guy that he's, you know, if a guy, you know, kind of squares up, maybe takes a cheap shot on him, he isn't going to let that slide, you know, like he did in the playoffs against Brad Marchand. He squared up to him, like, no, you're not going to do that. I do see that being the case. I don't see him being a guy to lay, to lay down and, you know, just have let other teams get away with stuff. I don't see that being the case, but I do think he is definitely going to need to mature some. And, you know, I've mentioned it before. He is the only goalie under contract for the Hurricanes next season. Freddie and Auntie both UFAs. So you imagine, especially with how good he has been at the NHL level, he will be if he'll be one of the goalies here for the Hurricanes in Raleigh next season. And I feel that when that time comes, in my opinion, it will be next season, but say it's not next season, say it's the season after. Uh, maturity will be a big thing. Uh, how old is he now? I know he is obviously early 20s. Younger than me, of course, but he is to do, do, do Peter Kochekov age. He is 23 years old, June 25th, 1999. So next season, he'll be 24 years old. Uh, I think that, yeah, maturity, that's the big thing here. He's got to just learn to get his emotions under control. He does that. I think he'll be good. And I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue. I do think that whenever he gets to the NHL level, I think that will be one thing that they really talk to him about is getting those emotions in check and not letting other people get to him like that. And you know, not doing it for a reaction. And I do think that that is something that Rod Brindamore and company, uh, they will kind of get that out of him. And, you know, we've seen that with Svetch, not 
like this, but you know, some of his mistakes and just growth as a player, some of those things, the mistakes he was making were young guy mistakes. Uh, whenever he signed that big extension, I mentioned that, you know, I didn't expect a complete turnaround with some of the mistakes he was making, like penalties, especially. I knew it wasn't going to be an overnight change. I knew it was going to be something that was going to take time, but we are seeing it now. Hey, he's matured a lot and he's not making those mistakes that he used to. Yeah, he still takes penalties, but it's not as bad as it was. Like last night against Montreal, that was for me, I hadn't really noticed like like him being a liability out there on the ice like that when it came to penalties and he wasn't like a big liability it was just like come on man and that's kind of where we're at with Piotr it's kind of like a come on man uh kind of deal of like get it in check come on now I know it's getting irritated but you gotta learn to just walk away ignore it again don't let another team push you around stand up for yourself but also like know when to just walk away that's gonna be a big thing and again that's a maturity thing and i think as he time goes on that is something that will get worked out of him he just needs to get older rod brimore ain't gonna put up with that and you know say uh, he's with freddie next season say freddie resigns you know i freddie's been around for a long time i think yeah that'd be a good place to a, a good goalie to learn under We'll see what happens when it comes to that kind of deal next offseason, what they decide to do there. But I don't think his hot-headedness is anything to worry about. And I think we would know if it was something to worry about, we'd be talking a different story in like three, four years. If we're still having this problem, then okay, then then it's an issue. But right now, 23 years old, and I, someone does need to sit him down. Don't get me wrong. Someone there in Chicago needs to sit him down and talk to him. Be like, hey, chill out a little bit. Get your emotions in check some. Don't let these teams get to you. Like, I know you're liking the reaction you know, you're getting when you do this kind of stuff. But, you know, got to tone it down. Got to know when to pick your battles. You know, that good life advice there in general of no one to pick your battles, but that that's the, the same applies here. He's got to know when to pick his battles. Don't let other teams get to him. But I, I don't see this being a long-term issue. Yeah. Maybe, you know, over the next, the remainder of the season, yeah, next one or two. Okay. Maybe it's still a bit of a problem. You know, you just gotta, it's gotta mature. We all took time to mature. It wasn't like, you know, we just, came out mature adults you know so it's gonna take time but i don't see this being a long-term issue but that's just my opinion let me know your opinion on twitter tweet at the show at lo underscore hurricanes tweet at myself at jared ellis underscore 96 or leave a comment on the youtube video so make sure you're subscribed there and i will talk to you guys in the next episode where we preview tomorrow's game against the philadelphia Flyers. And as always, folks, let's go Canes.